Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. So it begins. One of Trump's Georgia co-defendants is already pre-flipping on him, and his Mar-a-Lago employee four got rid of his Trump-supplied lawyer and recanted testimony that almost got him brought up on perjury charges. And guess who he was lying for? Because after he changed his tune, that's when Jack Smith added the new charges against Trump and the new co-defendant. So ignore for a moment the Republican debate noise and the Trump primetime surrender stunt noise and the Mark Meadows I am above the law noise. I will get to each of them presently and focus instead on the rather remarkable spectacle of at least one of the defendants in Georgia and one of the key people in Florida suddenly turning on Trump and doing so before they even got plea deals from the prosecutors. I mean, there is flipping and then there is Pre-flipping, the former chairman of the Georgia Republican Party, David Schaefer, more importantly, the former, quote, chairman, unquote, of the Georgia fake electors slate, filed to switch his part of the trial to federal court. And in his argument for doing so, he added a small detail that this is all Donald Trump's doing, quote, 
Mr. Schaefer and the other Republican electors in the 2020 election, write Schaefer's attorneys, acted at the direction of the incumbent president and other federal officials. Attorneys for the president and Mr. Schaefer specifically instructed Mr. Schaefer verbally and in writing that the Republican electors meeting and casting their ballots on December 14th, 2020 was consistent with counsel's advice and was necessary to preserve the presidential election contest. Schaefer even handed over more evidence, not just to Fonnie Willis, but to the public. That December 14th sham electors vote he just referenced there, Schaefer released a copy of the transcript of that gathering of the coven, and the guy who addressed them beforehand, who told the electors what to do, was Ray Smith, who is another one of Trump's co-defendants in this case, and oh, by the way, Trump's local attorney of record in Atlanta, who walked the suckers through their part in the coup attempt. And Schaefer also released an email from another attorney named Alex Kaufman with the joyously self-incriminating subject line, quote, Elector Delegation Reminder. Kaufman wrote Schaefer and copied at least seven other electors that the group of frauds must meet on December 14, 2020 and, quote, cast their ballots in favor of President Trump and specifically per the Georgia election code. It is essential, he wrote, that our delegates act and vote in the exact manner as if Governor Kemp has certified the presidential contest in favor of President Trump. As if. Kaufman's email describes this as the best chance for Georgia to ultimately support the president's re-election and pay tribute to Barbie. As if. An email from Kaufman would seem to be an odd bit of evidence to use in order to kick Trump in the groin because Kaufman insists he has no direct link to Trump and was nothing more than an attorney for the Fulton County GOP and a district counsel for the state GOP, except, oh, by the way, Kaufman just happened to be on the call when Trump called Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and asked for that 11,780 vote total. Oops! Kaufman's email does not have big flashing red arrows pointing to a picture of Trump with the word guilty, guilty, guilty stamped on his forehead, but only because that would be redundant. Now, now, don't misunderstand David Schaefer's motivations here. He has not suddenly seen the light and doth repent himself. Schaefer says it is all Trump's and Smith's fault. The DA says, no, 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 not just them. You knew what you were doing, too. But when the starting point of your defense is to say, hi, my name's David. Here's Donald Trump. Please take him from me. I'm handing him to you. Donald Trump is in bigger trouble than he can understand. And now we see what that means in action. This bubblehead running the stolen classified secrets case against Trump in Florida, Judge Eileen Cannon, couldn't understand why Jack Smith was still using the grand jury to investigate the case that he'd already brought indictments on and why there were now superseding indictments. 
Well, hell, she's still been a judge presiding in a courtroom for less than one month out of her life, so it's unlikely she understands anything. She is far more experienced covering prenatal yoga and why tomatoes might reduce tumors for articles she was to write for the newspaper, the Miami Nuevo Herald. Boy, I wish I was making that up. So, Jack Smith answered her query in a now unsealed filing and revealed matter-of-factly that he was doing this because the District of Columbia Grand Jury had been hearing evidence that maybe one of the witnesses, Mar-a-Lago employee number four, should be charged with perjury because while he still had Trump stooge Stanley Woodward as his attorney, number four testified that he didn't know nothing about nobody erasing no security video from those servers and never heard nobody say the boss wanted the servers deleted. And then somebody told employee number four, hey, you know what? You may have just committed some light perjury. And he did see the light, and he doth repented, and he got a new attorney from the public defender's office in D.C. And the next thing you knew, employee number four, who is Trump's IT guy at Mar-a-Lago, Yusil Tavares, was remembering clear as a bell. And suddenly the guy who actually said the boss wanted the servers deleted had become the latest indicted victim of the maxim, everything Trump touches dies. And his name is Carlos de Oliveira, and he is still a defendant. But if you want to draft somebody in your fantasy who flips first in Florida League, pick de Oliveira. And oh yeah, as soon as Tavares got his own attorney and not the same one Walt Nauta has... Smith filed three more counts against Trump, too. There are two asides from Smith's submission to Judge Cannon. One is that he wrapped up that D.C. grand jury last week, which means it is not going to be filing a third prong of indictments against Trump on, say, the fundraising scam, the fundraising to cure a stolen election Trump knew was not stolen, although another grand jury could easily do that later. The second aside is that this weasel Stanley Woodward said he knew exactly how to resolve the remaining conflict in the case, namely that he used to represent Yusil Tavares and still represents Walt Nauta, and Yusil Tavares may testify against Walt Nauta. Woodward suggested that the government should just not call Yusil Tavares as a witness. Problem solved. Woodward and Trump did not add, you picked a fine time to leave me, you seal. Wait a minute. Oh, Nancy. You picked a fine time to leave me, you seal. With 40 counts against me in your plea deal. The boss wants server deleted, won't he? You picked a fine time to leave me, you seal. Thank you, Nancy Faust. I don't know how you let me get away with this. Now, speaking of plea deals and flipping, for the first time, I am wondering if maybe Mark Meadows hasn't. It seems to me, and this is guesswork, that if Meadows really is a witness for the prosecution in the federal cases, he could have come up with a more elegant and self-polishing excuse when he and his lawyers demanded that Fonnie Willis delay his arrest and booking in Atlanta until at least after the hearing on his motion to have his part of the Georgia case moved into federal court. 
And of course, almost any other excuse would have been more elegant than the one they used, which is about as revelatory and infuriating a statement as we have seen in this case. And the other 4,000 nominees for that honor are all things Trump said. Willis replied that Meadows would not get a delay, that she had given everybody two weeks as a courtesy. And he was no different than anybody else, which is when Meadows did his best Marie Antoinette impression. While I can understand your assertion that Mr. Meadows, quote, is no different than any other criminal defendant in Fulton County, writes his lawyer, we both know that is simply not true when it comes to our request. He is a former federal official. I mean, honestly, to say my client, Mark Meadows, is above the effing law is stupid enough. But to say he is above the effing law because he was in the Trump administration is imbecilic. That's more of a reason to arrest him. It still, though, may not be the most imbecilic. At least John Eastman had the presence of mind to just surrender and use the opportunity to whine again about he and authoritarianism are the real victims here and and yay despotism and stuff like that. The most imbecilic is from who else but Jeff Clark, that would-be ballot-seizing, would-be attorney general who resembles nothing more than a stumbling buffoon just looking for an airplane propeller to walk into. Jeff Clark says his case should also be switched to federal court because being in the Trump administration makes him immune to state prosecution. What Clark was immune to was a good legal education, is what Clark was immune to. Willis says she will enter arrest warrants against Jeff Clark and Mark Meadows at 12.30 Friday afternoon, Eastern Daylight Time, and the presiding judge has given the DA until 3 p.m. today, Wednesday, to submit her written reply, and then he will decide what to do about the arrests of both of them without any further back and forth. Based on the case so far, one assumes Meadows will work something out and maybe delay the arrest or maybe get it transferred to federal court or who knows. And Clark, oh, too bad, Jeff, somebody's starting up those propellers. The defendants, by the way, were actually offered some helpful scheduling advice from the DA's office on this very subject yesterday. For the quickest turnaround, the fastest smile for your mugshot and then get back in your lawyer's car for the buck, they were advised to turn themselves in at the Rice Street Jail in Atlanta at 3 a.m. And, of course, Trump, never passing up an opportunity to martyr himself, has picked tomorrow night, but in prime time, to turn himself in. Sergeants, take him down and book him. Sergeant, take him down. Sergeant, book him. Sergeant, book him. Sergeant, take him down. The Guardian reported that, reported it had been set with the DA's office on Monday, still waiting for him to finally go out of his gourd and do the whole Gloria Swanson, Norma Desmond march down the staircase from the end of Sunset Boulevard thing. And funny Funny him bringing up fleeing to Russia in his private plane, wasn't it? Of all the things, what was all that about? Send a man to cover all the airports. Trump may be wearing a disguise, like like human hair. Trump already has his counter-programming set for tonight and the Republican debate. He has Tucker Carlson's flatulent, lap-sitting, quote, interview, unquote, with him, which was recorded last weekend sometime to add to the topicality. 
Although I've got to say, this Republican debate with Vivek Ramaswamy lying about being a 9-11 truther and then getting caught on tape 9-11 truthing an hour later, the day before the debate, and one of the candidates, Larry Elder, saying he was going to sue the RNC because it had excluded him because it will not count the Rasmussen polls. The Rasmussen polls? The ones that are run by the two nebishes who founded ESPN and then sold it for like $12? Oh, man, this is some compelling stuff. I might be able to watch this debate tonight sober. I said might. The full preview of the carnival in Milwaukee. That's next. This is Countdown. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com Toyota, let's go places Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for non-stop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same game parlays exclusive signature bets odds boost promos and much more Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia with the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Elberman. Postscripts to the news. Some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Milwaukee. Hello. And as the Republican primary looms, rule one of politics, even Republican politics is, hey, lie. What the hell? They're only voters. But if your lie is a denial and the thing you're denying is on tape, don't lie. 
The Atlantic published an interview with Vivek Ramaswamy. God knows why he is the Ron DeSantis of Scott Walkers. But in it, reporter John Hendrickson quoted Ramaswamy as delving again into 9-11 trutherism and saying it was appropriate to ask, quote, how many federal agents were on the planes that hit the Twin Towers, unquote. Ramaswamy went on CNN Monday night and said the quote was inaccurate and he didn't say it. And he was talking about federal agents on January 6th, which is dumb enough. But you heard this guy. He's another dumb guy with money who thinks money means he's less dumb than he is. He laughed about the quote. He mocked the quote. He said his campaign had asked the reporter to provide the clip, but the reporter couldn't do that because the clip didn't exist. He never said anything about federal agents on the planes on 9-11. Are you kidding me? And what do you mean just because they didn't send it to us, that doesn't mean the Atlantic didn't have the clip? There's a difference between entrapment and a difference between a law enforcement agent. I, 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 think I think it is legitimate to say how many police, how many federal agents were on the planes that hit the Twin Towers. Like, I think we want it. Maybe the answer is zero. Probably a zero for all I know, right? Absolute moron. Absolute flaming moron. You know, I, I've spent my career just assuming that all the people who could have done my various jobs better than I did just didn't get the breaks somehow. And therefore, I never had to compete with any of them. This guy, who is a flaming moron, believes he is actually smart because he accidentally made some money. And he might not be the dumbest guy running for the Republican nomination. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez tweeted on August 11th that if a candidate could not make the requirements for the first debate, that candidate should drop out, even if that candidate was him. Well, guess who didn't make the debate? Mayor Suarez has done the right thing, of course. He's deleted the tweet. And then there's Larry Elder who in the horror movie would be the first candidate laid low by the monster. In fact, he would be the first candidate laid low by the monster in a series of horror movies. He's been humiliated in a Senate race, in a governor's race, and on radio and television. And as of last night, he said he was suing the Republican National Committee because it would not recognize Rasmussen reports, which showed him above the polling threshold for inclusion in the debate. Rasmussen is the Trump-friendly pollster, so unreliable, the RNC does not even credit them, and Elder is the guy who's actually just supposed to be on the stage to advocate for Trump in absentia anyway. Perry Johnson is also suing, he says, but he, of course, just wants a judge to make it mandatory that you go and Google who Perry Johnson is. And Carrie Lake still bringing record profits to the world's camera filter industry, announced yesterday that, of course, Trump shouldn't be at the debate because he's, quote, the Babe Ruth of all of politics. By comparing Trump to Babe Ruth, I am assuming that Kerry means they are both fat and have both been dead since 1948. And Kerry Lake with the weather. And if there is not enough sleaze on the stage, there are the anchors, Martha McCallum and Brett Baer of Fox, it is Bear who has most stridently defended his image for a decade or more as the non-opinion hard news guy on that propaganda channel, even though the Dominion file showed that after the 2020 election, it was Brett Bear who was trying to convince management to retract Fox's experts call of Arizona for Biden. And that rather than defending hard news and journalism and, you know, truth 
and risking his own status at Fox by protesting the new circle of hell to which Murdoch relegated the channel? No, instead, earlier this month, Brett Baer bought a new house in Palm Beach, Florida for $37 million. So if you're going to make me watch this thing tonight, I mean, is there anything special happening at the end of it? It's the Republicans. Is the candidate who does the poorest, is he thrown onto the razor wire in the Rio Grande or something? Because then maybe I'll watch. Elsewhere, Dateline, the Willow Grove Park Mall, Pennsylvania. How have the mighty fallen? A jewelry shop there in that mall bought for $68,000 two watches from a foreign gentleman. One was a Patek Philippe and the other was a diamond Rolex. And then they turned out to be gifts that had been presented to the former president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, which is a crazy coincidence because the guy who sold them to the watch store was the former personal assistant to Jair Bolsonaro. What are the odds? Bolsonaro may be arrested. Those were not his property. They were property of the Brazilian state. And lastly, Dateline Richmond. Hope you enjoyed the new darling of the right singer Oliver Anthony, the auteur of the conservative protest anthem Rich Men North of Richmond, because after just 15 days, he is no longer the new darling of the right. The often racist song blames low wages on liberal politicians instead of, you know, uh, conservative employers. And Oliver Anthony, with his rich, defiant Southern twang, was the new Joe the Plumber or somebody. And then uh, and then it turned out that the rich, defiant Southern twang is not his real voice. I mean, we are the melting pot of the world, and that, that's what makes us strong is our diversity, and we need to learn to harness that and appreciate it and not use it as a political tool to, to keep everyone separate from each other, you know? The online right reaction now? Oliver Anthony is a psyop, and he's the CIA's Millie Vanilli. I prefer to call him the conservative's milkshake duck. I am sorry to report to you that milkshake duck is not racist. Still ahead on this all-new edition of Countdown, he's been gone nine years, and it still feels wrong, like it's a mistake somewhere. It's something that must be fixable. Memories of my late friend Tony Gwynn coming up in Things I Promise Not to Tell. First time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Eric Adams. They come here. They all come here. How do these mayors find me? Gothamist reports that the New York City mayor, who posted a selfie yesterday of his hand touching the wailing wall, his bebobbled wrist almost clanking against its surface, has not only spent money to make a video showing how great Adams is handling the influx of migrants here, but that the city's office of the mayor has ordered New York City agencies to post that video and pump it and has indicated city officials will be judged on how well they distribute the video. An email reads, quote, We will be reporting to the mayor who meets the deadline tomorrow. Don't blame me. I voted for the garbage commissioner lady, not this guy. 
The runner-up, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, look, we know he's a scumbag. He's an embittered scumbag working out his psychoses against people who cannot defend themselves. But this is bad even for him. Mayor Bass of Los Angeles reports that another bus full of migrants arrived from Texas on Monday, which, as she notes, means Abbott put them in the bus at an hour at which he would have known the bus would have to be traveling towards and through Tropical Storm Hillary as it traveled towards Southern California. Greg Abbott really is among the worst humans alive. But our winner is Janine Pirro of Fox and the Republican National Committee Research Group. They each took a clip of President Biden in Hawaii saying hello to a rescue dog, and the dog was wearing boots by taking a solid 20 seconds to point out that the dog was wearing boots and saying to the dog, that's some hot ground, man, and saying to the people, look at him wearing these boots. The RNC tweeted that Biden had been, quote, distracted by a dog, possibly because the guy who has raped their party, Trump, has never had a dog and never even said something nice about a dog and has made analogies about dogs that make it clear he doesn't understand what dogs are or that dogs are far more popular than he is, to say nothing of far more valuable and worthy. And Pirro, who we last saw complaining that her Jaguar had broken down, was part of the Fox crew lying about this by insisting Biden was talking about a firefighter's boots. Pirro was corrected by somebody else on her show who told her he was talking to the dog. Oh, what a guy! The disgraced ex-judge snarled. Talking to a dog! I'm surprised Janine Pirro didn't demand he be impeached for it. The RNC and Janine Hooters pants on a 72-year-old woman Pirro. Today's worst persons in the world! What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from The Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. number one story on the countdown and things I promised not to tell. And I thought of him the other day because somebody reminded me about the day in August 1994 when the baseball season ended after the owners forced the players out on strike. And he went out without complaint, even though at that moment he was batting 394. And he was, in fact, getting better as the season was wearing on. He had hit 423 in the preceding 28 games. And his chances of becoming the first 400 hitter in half a century were increasing. And then the season ended suddenly. His name was Anthony Keith Gwynn. And I had met him one day in spring training when he came up and introduced himself as if I wouldn't have known who he was. And we stayed professional friends for 27 years until his death in June of 2014. And thinking of Tony Gwynn whose absence is still perceived in San Diego, in baseball for that matter, as a shock, as something that can't be right, something that's desperately wrong that needs somehow to be corrected. I thought of my best experience with him. It was the night of October 17, 1998. By then, Tony had already played 17 major league seasons. He had already won more batting titles than anybody except Ty Cobb and Hannes Wagner. The last year he had not batted 300 was 1982. And by that night of October 17, 1998, he had already been to the World Series once and to the All-Star Game 13 times. He had already hit so well for so long that when he shocked his admirers earlier that year with the first 0-for-15 hitless streak of his career, the then Los Angeles Dodgers broadcaster Ross Porter calculated that Tony Gwynn could have extended that streak from 0-for-15 to 0-4-1,109 and still have a career batting average of 300. Tony was about to bat 500 in that World Series, his second. He was about to hit a two-run homer in the first game and then a two-run single in the third game that gave his team its only leads of the entire series. And with all that, Tony Gwynn was still nervous and excited before game one. You're telling me I'm going to get to meet Bob Shepard? The Bob Shepard? Oh, man. As the 1998 World Series between Tony's Padres and the Yankees became a reality, he had said something about how much he was looking forward to finally getting to play in Yankee Stadium, about hearing the legendary public address announcer Bob Shepard introduce him as he came to bat for the first time in game one, how that was going to be one of the thrills of his career. And he was absolutely serious. So 
I took it a step further. I explained to Mr. Shepard, who I knew pretty well, that the star of the Padres was a huge fan of his, a huge fan of baseball history, the one man I had ever met in the game who seemed genuinely awestruck by people whose greatness or prominence he had far since eclipsed. Bob said, take me to him. They talked, as I remember it, for 10 or 15 minutes, and Tony Gwynn sprayed questions like he sprayed base hits. Bob, do you get nervous? What do you do to stay focused? I know you're a teacher. What do you try to convey to kids? I took a couple of pictures of the two of them, actual camera, pre-phone days. Tony's beaming in all of them. I walked Mr. Shepard back up to the press box after that and then asked him for another favor. At some point after that very brief World Series ended, I heard from Tony Gwynn, Are you kidding me? How did you do this? I had gotten Bob Shepard to record his introduction of Tony Gwynn coming to bat. Now batting for San Diego, the right fielder, number 19, Tony Gwynn, number 19. I stuck it, and not me doing the impression, actual Bob Shepard, I stuck it on one of those talking photo frame devices. Do you remember those? And I slipped in the photo of Tony with Bob, and I sent it to Tony. It's in my trophy case, Tony giggled. I put it next to my silver bats. I keep pushing play. I'm going to wear out the battery. I told him I hadn't made another copy when that happened. But but wait a minute. I said, you put it next to your silver bats? Yeah, what they give you for leading the league. This is the coolest thing. I even try to say it along with him. That was Tony Gwynn. I was privileged to witness a couple of other of Tony Gwynn's great moments. Now, you may already know the story about Tony Gwynn and Ted Williams. Ted Williams remained the last man to hit 400, at least in part because the strike of 1994 that I mentioned at the beginning cost Gwynn his best chance at it. You may also know about the years of conversations between these two guys from San Diego who just happened to combine for 15 batting championships. It culminated at the 1999 All-Star Game in Boston when it was, in part to visit with Tony Gwynn, that Ted Williams even bothered to go to Fenway Park, and he created a baseball history moment to transcend almost all others when he was engulfed by all the present-day stars on the field, by the mound, and, and basically they would not let him leave. I was the pregame host and the National League dugout reporter for the Fox broadcast of that All-Star game in 1999. And so when Tony Gwynn bounded back from the eternal love-in near the mound with Ted Williams, he found me. Did you see that? He had to give somebody a hug, so it was me. Did you see that? That was us with Ted Williams, man. Tony didn't just treat the greats that way. In spring training of 1987, as I alluded to earlier, I was covering the Angels for my station in Los Angeles, and I'll have to say I was pretty good at it, but I could have sat around the Gene Autry Hotel in Palm Springs, California, for hours at a stretch without anybody knowing about it or who I was. And one afternoon, the Padres arrived at that hotel on the 310 from Yuma or something, and they stomped past the pool on the way to their rooms, and I saw Tony Gwynn, who at that point had already had won one of his batting championships and had one of his World Series trips in the books and three of his All-Star games. I saw him peel away and walk towards me. Hi, he said tentatively. Mr. Elberman, my name's Tony Gwynn. I play for the Padres. I watch you on Channel 5 every night. It's an honor. 
I actually laughed. I know you're kidding, Mr. Gwynn, but thanks. He wasn't kidding. I had to ask him to stop calling me Mr. Not long after that, he would start calling me Mr. just to needle me. If you ever saw Tony Gwynn or heard him interviewed or heard him work for ESPN later, what you hoped Tony Gwynn was like, he was like. Then I haven't even gotten into the charitable work, the health awareness about smokeless tobacco and deep vein thrombosis that he did. The fact that he stayed in San Diego when the bigger stages beckoned via free agency. I doubt anybody in baseball history, maybe sports history, ever handed out more respect or, and this is an odd thing in sports, I doubt anybody in baseball history ever handed out more reassurance When he hit that batting slump I mentioned in the summer of 1998, it was nothing. He would have a higher batting average in 1999 and 2000 and 2001 than he did in 1998. I did a little piece on him for Sports Illustrated about the giving out reassurance part. Let me just read you the end of that piece. When I saw Gwynn in the dugout at Dodger Stadium, he was holding a small metallic device in one hand, so I asked him about the hamstring he had aggravated, reaching for Cal Ripken's double at the All-Star game. I pointed at the machine and asked, Is that your electric stimulator? Is that your stim? Gwynn laughed hard. Oh, man, that's my mini CD player. Will you relax? What I would not give to have him reassuring me that as that sense that something is wrong, that Tony Gwynn is supposed to be in San Diego and he's not, as that sense surges up again in me as strongly as ever, how I would pray to hear him reassure me that I am just overreacting. What all of us who knew him or just knew of him would not give to hear Tony Gwynn's little strangulated laugh again right now, as he would say, Will you relax? I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown has come to you from our studios high atop the sports capsule building in New York. Here are the credits. Most of the music arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend John Dean. Everything else is pretty much my fault. That's Countdown for this, the 959th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him again while we still can. The next scheduled Countdown is tomorrow. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olderman. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. You picked a fine time to leave me, you seal. With 40 counts against me in your plea deal. The boss wants the server deleted, won't he? You picked a fine time to leave me, you seal. Thank you, Nancy Faust.
Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free at- 